0: warm welcome to you all hope you'll soundly enjoy our program
1: And your podcast, a very British podcast about very British movies with just a hint of professionalism. Scott here. It's Bank Holiday Monday, May Day, as we're recording. With me is Stephen. Happy Bank Holiday, sir. Happy
0: Bank Holiday to you, mate.
1: Fans of the Wicker Man will be rejoicing on this glorious day.
0: Yes, good news there, isn't <laughs> it? Just a little bit of uh, attention for mm-hmm.
1: us. Yeah, so Bank Holidays, we, we usually talk about... Um, Typical bank holiday movies and rainy Sunday afternoons. Rainy bank holiday is just starting to rain here. Uh, 11 o'clock bank holiday morning. And I'm not surprised. It's it's just a typical British bank holiday, which means probably sitting in this afternoon and watching some great movies. And you've just suggested one anyway um, as to what yeah. you're going to watch this afternoon. T- tell, tell the audience what you're going to watch.
0: I'm going to watch Passport to Pimlico. Which sort of makes
1: sense because by the time this episode goes out our Sports of Pimlico episode would already have been broadcast back in May now it's May Day Bank Holiday as listeners are probably aware we are fairly in advance with what we're recording we're about six weeks I think in advance to when the show goes out so by my reckoning this episode will go out just about on the Real Britannia's second birthday believe it or not Woohoo! Yeah, we made it. Two years. Yeah. Happy birthday. <laughs> two years. Also, well, don't get to
0: fifty because that's when things start falling apart.
1: Thank you. Yeah, previous listeners will also know what that refers to as well. Uh, <laughs> yeah, that's not that's not bad. You know, we've picked yeah, up the pace. Forty good. episodes yeah. in two years. We're still only two into the carry-ons. One into the James Bonds. One into the Norman Wisdom. So all these plans of getting these all done. Yeah.
0: One into the mite leaves now as well. That's fine. You know, we will get there.
1: There's not as many mite leaves to cover. No,
0: but we've got no, a few but, plans.
1: Um, we've got some ideas. We know what we're doing next Easter. We know what we're doing for
0: Halloween.
1: Yeah,
0: <laughs> we've got it planned out. Yeah, it's just uh, just pushing them out. You know, for the audience to actually listen to. It. You know, it's um, that's the that's the thing that's on the schedule when they're actually going to arrive with them because we are so far in advance. But um, but talking of Man, though, it was, yeah. um it was. Brought to my attention, as you know, yes. um, the podcast of the day, wasn't it? Player FM. On Player FM, our Wickerman Man episode. Um, we try to push Player
1: FM as much as possible. If you've got a podcast catcher of choice on your Android or your iPhone, even if you actually listen to it on your PC via Player FM, it's a great app because you've got the facility of pausing the podcast you're listening to, going back doing something else, and when you return, it's it's at that point you haven't got to go right back to the beginning and start listening yeah. or trying to find the point that you you pause the recording. And it's a great little you know looking app, and and, and I use it myself. It was Paul at the Stinking Pauls podcast up in my way, and we're no way affiliated with Player FM, by the way. We're just pushing this as a as a, as an easier way of yeah. It's so
0: the Talking show. Pictures TV. We'll talk about that endlessly, but we're not affiliated. Um, so yeah, yeah we're just, just highlighting things that we think are good. Exactly, exactly. But yes, that
1: was a little surprise. It was Paul pointed that out to me. I was recording a stinking Paul's episode with him. It was late Saturday evening, and he got this tweet that had come through, and he went, "Congratulations!" I went, "Why?" He went, "Real Britannia just been nominated podcast of the day at uh, Player FM." Marvelous news! Yeah, thank you very much, Player FM. Back to today. Yes. Your choice. What have we got? What are we, what are we going to be talking about? We're going to be talking about Hope and Glory. John Borman, second appearance.
0: Yes, absolutely. Uh, and there's a couple of, uh, second appearances in here as well.
1: Nobody in the Hall of Fame in this episode, I believe.
0: No, no there okay. isn't, which is you know, a, a bit of a break of what usually happens when I suggest and there's like a, <laughs> There's a snowball no, effect. A raft of and, uh, Suddenly we have an avalanche of, of inductees. But um, it, this is setting up for... Uh, possibly um some others yeah, to pop there is, in. There is, um, there
1: is, yeah. I've, talking of Hall of Fame, I started compiling a list for yourself, an up to date okay. list of the the inductees and the movies they've appeared in. So we could possibly get that put up on social media in some form or another. Yeah. Uh with all the existing members and new members as they appear, I think. would <coughs> be interesting. It'd be nice to see who is actually in there now. There's some famous,
0: famous faces and not so famous faces. Yeah, there are, as we said before, there were you know, it's not the famous faces that are the ones that are the most frequent visitors. Yeah. It's um, our our fellow travellers on this journey are mostly people that people Oh yeah, that's him or oh, sinner, <laughs> things. I didn't realise. Yeah. I mean going through it, checking it through for you,
1: a name cropped up. And I'm like, I didn't even realise. And she was in five. And I can't remember who it is. I'll have to double check. But she's been in five out of the 40 um, movies we
0: reviewed. And I bet she was just, you know, like in one film, she was a chow woman. Well, it turns uh, out this particular lady,
1: I'm going to find out her name now. I'm going to have to tell you who it is so you can look this up as well. She actually held uh, a record in the Guinness Book of Records as the most prolific British actress. Wow. No wonder
0: she's cropped up on. Exactly. The but
1: then when you look, you think, it's her. Give me a second. I'll just look it up now. There you go, Stephen. The lady in question is Marianne yeah. Stone.
0: Uh, you've just Googled it. Yes. <laughs> I've just uh, brought up a her face, uh, which is a very familiar face, um, in all her guises from, you know, as you say, from Peter Sellers films to Carry Ons to yeah. lots of she, I'm
1: sure I read somewhere. Yeah, she's, yeah, she was in everything. Yeah, yeah most prolific. I think it was over 200 movie appearances over 40 years or something like that. Incredible.
0: It wouldn't surprise in every one of the film franchises which we're covering on this podcast mm. at least once. So she was in a carry-on, she was in a Bond. she A Hammer she Horror
1: was when we get to the Hammers. No, she
0: was a Hammer Horror, yeah.
1: Incredible. <laughs> and it's one of those ones yes. that you go, never heard of her, but you know that face. Yeah, four decades, brilliant, That's it. absolutely brilliant. I think she's going to turn out to be the two hundred and seventy-six titles. she's wow. wow. she's been
0: in two hundred and seventy-six films.
1: Is it films and TV or just films? There's... Oh wow, There's... I don't know. I, just, I don't know. It
0: says it just says titles. So yeah, it's... but she was in I everything. A couple of TV series in there, but yeah.
1: Listeners out there, if you're not familiar who Marianne Stone is, take a look. You you'll go ah, it's it's her. It definitely. <laughs>
0: yeah, she was yeah. in a remake of The Wicked Lady.
1: <laughs> was she? Well, there you go. And as you say, Norman Wisdom movies. Yeah, and, and 1983.
0: Yeah. See, it's, it's just
1: link upon link here, isn't it? You know. But the carry on. Well, carry on, nurse, constable, Jack, screaming, don't lose your head, doctor, at your convenience, matron, girls, dick and behind. That makes her one of the most... Prolific appearances in a carry on film up there with your Joan Sims and your Kenneth Williams almost, isn't it? But it's never mentioned, never mentioned. Incredible. Okay, Mm. let's take a break. Let's talk all things. Doctor
0: films as well. So,
1: was she? Because we're doing the Doctor series as well. There you go. Yeah, yeah. Brighton Rock, seven days to noon, she was in the 39 steps. Look her up, ladies and oh, gents. You'll know she, who she is.
0: She is the face of this podcast, I think. I think so. Been using my
1: face or your face? No, it's her and Cyril Chamberlain. I think was the the male equivalent we worked out because he oh, had four or yes, five appearances yes. very early on. Look him up. Look look both of those guys up. Cyril Chamberlain and Marianne Stone. Let's take a break. We're going to talk all things Hope and Glory. <laughs> <laughs>
0: I have to tell you now that no such undertaking has been received and that consequently this country
1: is at war with Germany. World War II. Scramble!
0: All over Britain, people prepare for the coming conflict.
1: And while Hitler's love try and bomb the population into submission, Billy alone tries to get on with
0: the serious business of growing up. survive that one, the war should be in action. I not you Five, six, three. The next one's ours. Either it hits us or it goes past. Please, God, not on.
1: Open Glory, released in the UK in 1987, directed by John Borman, starring Sebastian Rice-Edwards, Geraldine Moore, Sarah Miles, there's David Heyman, young Sammy Davis in here, not Sammy mm-hmm. Davis Jr., but Sammy no, no. Davis, <laughs> <Sure>. the elder, <laughs> and a marvellous performance from Ian Bannon, your choice this week Stephen, can we have a synopsis on what the, what the film's all about?
0: What's it all about, mm. No, that's somebody else. That's another um, film. <laughs> <coughs> well, it's about a young boy living on the outskirts of London and his experiences of World War II. Yeah. Um, and it's semi-autobiographical from the view of John Bowman, who at the time was a boy of the same age yeah. um, in London. Um, and he wrote and produced this film. During that period, the young lad, he learns about sex and death and love and hypocrisy and the faults of adults while he and his mates prowl the ruins of bombed out London and sees his childlike father chasing off patriotic dreams while his mother <laughs> is at home coping with his his sister, older sister becoming more wayward and the difficulty of coping with the change of moral environment due to um, the war.
1: In lesser hands, this could have been quite a heavy, dark subject. Yeah, you know, we're talking the Blitz, we're talking
0: wartime London. It's but quite... it's all—it's all told really. Well, with a few exceptions, it's almost all of it is just through the childlike eyes. It's not from it, the it's adult not, side. Um, yeah, yeah it's, it's not the the more grim stuff that was going on from the the adult side. It's. The, literally, the view of the of the child on what's going on around him, and how the the issues that the adults are facing, are only the ones that he can actually assimilate and understand from his own age point of view, not the more complex things that were actually going on.
1: Yeah, I think his his attitude is perfectly summed up in one line. They're at the station about to get the kids evacuated to the countryside, and he says, I don't want to go, I don't want to go. Why? Because you're going to make me miss out on the war. Yeah. It was seen as an adventure for him, almost.
0: Yeah, and that prowling around the bomb site, it's not realising at any point they could step on something that would blow them up or <laughs> you know, something that could collapse upon them. And, you know, this day and age, they'd be cordoned off with the bomb sites, and, you know, with health and safety and, and all yeah. this kind of stuff. And But then... They were just left for kids to roam over. A huge adventure and, playgrounds, and, you know, exactly. Yeah. And the scenes in this film where, you know, they've got the munitions that they've picked up. <laughs> there's that, a marvelous you know, scene with the bullet. <laughs> yeah, we're putting the bullet in a vice and then hitting it with a nail a hammer on a nail to actually fire the bullet and it ricocheting around the room <laughs> and they're all pretending they've actually been hit by it, but they could in reality have been hit by yeah, it. Exactly. And it would have been a casualty of war but not direct. And this it's it's that childish innocence that there is in this and the view of the situation and of the the parents and adults reactions to it that gives this pathos and, and actually stops it from gr- being grim like you say mm. it just it just gives it not necessarily a lightness because it does actually take, you know cover the serious issues oh yeah but, yeah but it doesn't do it in a heavy way. It's it's it is from that more innocent point of view, which you know enables you to watch all the way through this with the vignettes of the different subplots going on. Because there isn't a really a major plot in this, we should say. No, there
1: isn't. No, there it's, no. it's,
0: it's it's like a it's almost like a Mike Lee film where it's just a snapshot of of, of life. Yeah. Um, and this in this case, it's what a, a snapshot of life. Uh, um, probably about a year, I'd imagine. Say about
1: a year because it starts September thirty-nine with the de-
0: declaration of, of of war, which yeah. is um, September, and then it's just before he's due to go back to school, and because the school is bombed out, he's, he's he doesn't go back to school. So it's a whole. Um, so yeah, it's year almost is a, it? an entire yeah. year snapshot. Yeah, but there's there's no major plot part that's resolved or anything that's that's moved on in that sense it's it's just a subplots of what's going on with different family members throughout that year
1: so popular um, almost again yeah. isn't it we've said this before in certain movies that mm. <laughs> within an hour and a half you, you've got as you say different layers on different relationships and way people interact with other people and it's an extended family as well because you know, we meet the, um, his uncle. You know, there's this whole sort of plot point about the father who, as you say, sort of reliving past glories of fighting in the First World War. But this time round, he's reduced to is he a typist, isn't he? And, and, yes, and, up and in the, Northumberland. In Northumberland. Yeah. So he's not even posted abroad. And, you know, there's the frustration of the people that were left behind family-wise as well. But i t- I tell you what I like initially about this this is a first time watch for me by the way I thought I'd seen it yeah. again you, you you, have this knack of picking films that I think I'd already seen but haven't
0: it's one you'll have passed over the, the video counter repeatedly about, yeah. back in 87 or that's whatever what it but is. not actually uh, yeah, that's what it but is. around to watching
1: yeah, yeah. And, and I know certain scenes when the school was bombed and, and some of the bits with the grandfather but I liked initially about this we mentioned this I think it was in which we serve Tony and I reviewed the Noel Coward war movie which goes from the beginning of the war all the way through, and there was this period from September '39 for several months. It was known as the phony war when yes nothing, everybody yeah. was prepared. You know they were digging the Anderson shelters, the gas masks were being distributed, ration books were being dealt out, but nothing happened. Absolutely nothing happened, and it was known to, because you'd see troops coming home for Christmas, like the father comes home for Christmas because he's got a thirty-six hour pass. But there's no actual conflict. Nothing is going on, and it's like, well, what's happening? What, what? Are we at war? You know, and and that's highlighted really, really well because everybody's going about their day-to-day lives. The kids are going to school, and it's not until the bombings actually start that you know the evacuation process begins, and it sort of comes. It it, it hits home, you know, with the first bombing over the over the street. And, yeah. and you know yeah, the whole yeah. the whole reality of war is suddenly suddenly thrust upon them.
0: Yeah, it's, it's no longer you know even the adults were almost playing at war.
1: Yeah, up
0: until that bombing first the first the first attack of the Blitz, um, which you know is probably reflected. Mind you, a little bit of me thinks that probably there had been one or two bombs bombings elsewhere because they were talking about the timings of the bombs or yeah. if it if you know. If it hits now, then it's going to miss us. The next one, That's and it'll you know. But still, that as you say, absolutely, it was a phoney war, and people were going through the motions and having the drills for the attacks and the gas masks and the ration books and stuff. But in the actual reality, there wasn't a, a war happening, yeah. and that allowed the kids to to actually romanticise what the war was about because the real horrors of it didn't kick in on day one.
1: That's right. Yeah, it took several months. Um, yeah. yeah. Things like there's an air raid siren goes off, so they all get out of bed and start to go down to the garden to the um, to the shelter. Oh no, it's too cold. It's all right. We'll go under the stairs. You know, we'll be okay. We'll be just as safe here under yeah, the stairs. Just <laughs> under the stairs, yeah.
0: Because those few few um, slats of wood just um, as protect much against doodle bugs. I think. Yeah, I think that was the <laughs> idea. And then but, the kids um,
1: go out and dance in the street, watching it like a fireworks display. Yeah. But it's that that sense of danger is not fully evident until a few moments later in the film when the first bomb hits the first house you know when we actually see some damage on the street yeah and and the young lad finds his first piece of shrapnel and the kids then start playing on the bomb yeah and that's when the story starts to develop at this point i believe it's its the it's the friendships between that group of kids the rivalries between that group of kids as well yeah but then you've also got the problems of trying to grow up in a country that is being bombed constantly by the enemy, so how do you you know cope with your childhood and trying to become a young adult at the same time, which is more evident in the sister's story she's fifteen, yes. she's fifteen, you know how is she supposed to become an adult? but then again, it's a different sort of adventure for her because it's foreign servicemen are posted over here, you know they're going to like me, and it's it it's just great the way that Borman. Has taken every single element of family life here from brothers and sisters, even down to aunts and uncles, and then we get to grandparents a little bit later on as well. Yeah, we'll cover the grandfather later on. It's all covered, it's all covered the whole family relationship, the whole dynamic.
0: And and the thing about the, um, as it slowly develops, the issue of the, the, the aunt and uncle who were, you know, as we know in many circumstances, an aunt and uncle that just happened to be the best friends of your parents rather than actually being your aunt and uncle. Yeah. And their relationship not being as, as solid, and her, you know, how that changes, and it coming out subtly that about the fact that it could have been that the, the young lad's mother and the the man out of this other couple. Yes. It could have been that they got together, but. You know, he wasn't going to tread on the toes of his mate, and yeah. it's it, that dynamic as well that's in there, sort of a, a missed opportunity. And it's 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 the relationships, as you say, it's just almost soap opera relationships of the people um, in the situation. It's not necessarily although there's some laughs in it. It's not necessarily a, a sitcom, but it is a situation drama, and it covers uh, so
1: much within this sort of. Two-hour period. It's just shy of two hours. This movie, yeah. But we learn so much. We learn so much about the families, about the relationships, as you say. And it's it's very clever writing. And and you can you can almost see that it's semi-autobiographical, semi-autobiographical, as you say. And you can just imagine young John Borman having these little adventures, these little stories that he remembers from the war, and he's thinking, right, we're going to include that in the script that actually happened that happened to a friend you know we'll include that totally believable totally believable even to the point of the barrage balloons you know that was all all part of everyday life during world war Two. they were they were, yeah. were part of the fixtures and fittings you know
0: yeah and the you know the excitement when a when a stray airman uh German airman ends up um parachuting <laughs> onto the wasteland behind the houses and the real excitement is being able to get hold of the parachute silk for the silk um but also yeah. the only and, protection uh,
1: in the town is a sixty year old policeman who's who's more frightened yeah. of the officer than you know than he is of him.
0: Yeah. I <laughs> mean we'll get onto the officer again when we talk about the cast in a bit, but um yes. the the Yeah, and, and that's it. But it's also I thought it was good that it, 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 minor thing, probably, but I thought it was good that it included the fact that they there was a house fire that was actually just a normal everyday house fire that wasn't a result of a bomb. There's the line, isn't there, like, that says yeah. fire
1: still happen in wartime. Yeah, yeah, it's just one of those and, things. And it's one of
0: these sort of you know normal life doesn't stop just because there's a war going on. Yeah. Things that you know can happen. When war isn't happening, can still happen when it's going on, and it's. Uh, it, but then you know, it brings in all the what's happening to the Russian book and all this kind of stuff. I mean, it's a very good study of the home front through the eyes of a child growing up um, in the war, and I think it's it's incredibly useful. I wouldn't be surprised if this was actually shown to some extent to um, school kids. To make them understand about the war because On it, the home it from, front, yeah, yeah you, you get understanding it yeah from their point of view of if they were children at that time, okay. it gives them a an angle of actually understanding it from their perspective maybe.
1: You don't really get that sort of movie, do you? I mean the first thing I thought of was Empire of the Sun. But that's yes. that's Hollywood, that's war seen through a child's eyes, is a Spielberg movie, but it's set in a Japanese prisoner of war camp. So it's not obviously a reflection of what went on on the home front. And I was trying to think of movies of this era, made in this era, that would have this sort of subject matter, and there aren't any that I can think of. But if you go back to... There was a lot during the wartime itself, Mrs Miniver and and, and films of that nature, that concerned the home front during the Blitz and during the wartime years.
0: But, but were they more propagandist actually? Sort of yeah, made at the time. To, yeah, and it was um, also
1: keep the stiff stiff upper lip and and you know this is more sort of you know patriotic and and crowd pleasing
0: type movies. Because there's not a lot of films that are about the home front that were done afterwards and could not Think of anything made into it. I mean, I think you know um, Brief Encounter is the only other one that that's 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 based in the time period. 1945. Front, yeah. There? Otherwise, there's hardly any that are based. In the time of the war, without actually being um, about the military personnel or or, or a war film, what we would call a war yeah. film, yeah, yeah.
1: But it is a war film. But it's a fantastic angle to actually cover. <coughs> Talking about the casting, Mr. Borman's done his yes. u- Mr. Borman's done his usual trick. Um, yes, <laughs> when the credits came up. I think the surname Borman appeared more times than any other name. On there.
0: Well, yeah, there's, there's at least three of them in there, isn't there? Um, and
1: production crew as well. I think there was people that yeah. were, you know working in the canteen or makeup department or something.
0: Yeah. So I mean, we've got a, this is the second appearance towards the village hall of fame for John Borman himself. Yes. But his, his son and daughter, due to their appearances in Excalibur, um, now have their second appearance.
1: Incredible again. Um, yeah. <laughs>
0: and elsewhere i mean there's as i say there's not really anybody um i was aware of actually crops up for the village hall of Fame. no but no. but there was some amazing acting in there and i think that i think that the young lad did a decent job i don't think it was stellar but i think he did a, a, oh, yeah. a good job of playing yeah. the main part um and considering most of the film had him in it um because it was through his eyes so he's in the vast majority of scenes I think he, he held it, you know, held it together and, and was successful in making it that there was that link through all the rest of the other people's lives. But surrounding him, absolutely. I mean, I, you know, the other cast members. I'm sure we can we can get into um, who who else was in this and what their, you know, how well they did. Well, it's a so, f-
1: first appearance for Sarah Miles, who, which is surprising. Yes. Because Probably a more familiar face in the 60s, you know Ryan's mm-hmm. daughter. And the, the one we've got to talk about, the outstanding performance, in my opinion. Yeah. Ian Bannon as the grandfather. Yes. Now, as I said before, in, in lesser hands, this movie, not necessarily lesser hands, but this movie could have been taken on a more darker tone. It could have been more serious. It could have been more of the horrors of war. But it chooses to have this fairly light-hearted tone all the way through it. It's not a rip roaring comedy, but there is elements of humour in every single scene, pretty much. Yes, yeah. And the highlight of that comedic part of the movie is the
0: grandfather.
1: Yeah, <laughs> I mean,
0: Yeah, I mean he's he's a grumpy old codger who who it's all about him, and but then he's you know obviously quite childlike himself as well. You know, willing to cheat at a game of cricket with his. <laughs> Seven-year-old grandson, um, and yeah, I mean it's it's not as you say. That he, there's a lot of humour around him as a character, um, and makes him stand out particularly.
1: His, his character is summed up in the fact that he's he was brought up in a you know a, a household filled with women because he has four daughters named was it Faith, Hope, Charity, and is it Grace? Yes, the the four it, qualities that he lacks or something, isn't it?
0: Yeah, that's what he, yeah, that's that's the comment he makes that he's um, it he, he was a a humorous thing done by his his wife about that. Yeah, so
1: but we first meet him at Christmas at the, at the family home, and he says it's time for my traditional toast. Yeah, where he eulogizes about all the
0: girls he used to know,
1: <laughs> in front of his wife, in front of his daughters, in front of all the family, he and toasts. he's done
0: it so often that when he forgets the names of one of them, the young lad is able to remind him what her name was. Yeah, um,
1: fantastic piece about Ian Bannon's a great actor anyway,
0: absolutely yes. fantastic actor. But he, he does, I think, you know, the others do the the, the job well. I think that you know the uh, David Heyman as the father of the young lad, he, great performance. You know, he, 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 mm. he plays that. He plays that sort of naive, optimistic, not really grown up, even though he isn't a fully grown adult man, uh, which is why he's nicknamed Smiler. Um, yeah. But it, but for all the Sarah Miles as well, and particularly Sammy Davis with her performances, is, yes. Um, it is, is a great performance in there. But it is you know it is Ian Bannon that stands out just because of. Partly to do with the character, yeah. but the way he portrays the character, um, I think is absolutely golden. I think he deserves a you know a lot of recognition for how he how he did portray the character. Even though originally it was was intended to be awarded to somebody else who that um, that character. All oh, right, um, it was going to be um, Trevor Howard that wanted. Oh, would have been put. to have that tie in. But the briefing you know, think much, yeah. much as I respect Trevor Howard, I mean, I, could he have done what him? bannon did in and and done the character
1: in the same way as as trevor howard got older he could do blustery old men Mm. you know military types that you know yeah i could see it but ian bannon i think is just perfect absolutely perfect yeah so because you've got the element of misogyny and the, the fact that he's you know he feels a bit put upon by all the women in the house but at the same time there's that twinkle in his eye that he's you know i've got my young grandson and even though he does you know Cheat at cricket. He still takes great pride in the fact that he's got somebody there to play cricket with.
0: Yes, absolutely, yeah. And you know, to 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 be doing the the fishing and the you know teaching me how to punt. Yeah, yeah, fishing, yeah. Disastrously, um <laughs> punting. You... So yeah, that that's you know the characters there. I think are are well played, um, as well as being well well drawn from the script because mm. they are they they are they fall short of being caricatures thankfully because it could very easily fall into that trap where yeah. they they are caricatures of people they were not, they're not the characters but not caricatures yes. and i think that each each of the people playing the parts does actually play them well yeah to to just bring them alive and make them each stand out in their own way really of, of the main characters that's something that, that, that adds to the, the beauty of this film. Yeah, yeah, it's
1: an ensemble piece without without mm. realising. You think that the young lad is the focus of the story, but with all these other bits going on in the background, you know, the highlight of the movie is, is, is how the war, how bombings, they became normal as life went on around the chaos. That's the good part of the movie. It's just people... It was that true, the Dunkirk spirit, as they used to say. It was like, yeah, you know, yeah, you know, we've got to get on with it, and that is reflected really, really well, I think, that how people just got on with it because they had to; they had no choice. Kids still had to go to school. Mothers still had to feed them. Um, the men were away in most cases. Yeah, but it took an accident, not a bombing, for the family to be forced to leave London and go to the country and stay with the grandparents if if that fire hadn't happened in the house, they would have still carried on for the six years of the war, living in that house, carrying on doing what they were doing. Uh, because it was a case of having to.
0: It was a case of having to carry on. because you had Yeah, choice. Make, make do and mend and all yeah. that kind of thing, yeah. Um, I mean, it's fortunate that this, this should be pointed out that the experience that's portrayed in this film is different to what might have happened for... Um, some other people because they were they were a middle-class family really they were they had a a, a newer house in a <laughs> what what was meant to be a, a nice avenue in a you know although it wasn't an avenue because um what did you say there was no <laughs> the trees was, or something uh, wasn't it or? yeah yeah it was, um cherry cherry hill avenue and that's why the um the guy says oh well You've been sold a lie, Smiler, because there's there's no cherries, there's certainly no hill, and I can't you know, I can't see the avenue. See. Um, but they are a middle you know middle class and obviously they've got like I don't know if it's Henley on Thames or something like that. Somewhere it actually seems to be
1: that sort of yeah, yeah that sort of location. It's not central London, so, it's a suburb. It's, yeah. certainly within the range of the bombing raids. Yeah,
0: but they, but yeah, absolutely, they were forced out their home um, through uh, a non war related incident really but um and that you know that avoid a cliche really which was I think as I said before it was a good thing for them to do but the the upshot is that then you get to explore more of the extended family uh, in depth and it's its becomes it adds an extra dimension to it because otherwise it could have been um, lesser of a film it could have kept the the dimensions of the film more... F- you know, too focused on just they've been in a, a semi-detached house um facing nightly bombings, yeah. which wouldn't have stretched to a two-hour film really, in 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 the sense, and it didn't show enough breadth of what the the experience was. Really, I don't think. I was looking online,
1: trying to see other people's reactions and other people's reviews of this because I like this movie. I do. I, I love this movie. It was absolutely fantastic. There's a lot of sort of negative sort of feedback regarding it because I think people are expecting something a little bit more serious. And a few of the criticisms are that the characters, are, we said characters and caricatures earlier, a lot of people seem to think that they are caricatures and that acting is sort of overacting as such. But I think that just adds to the charm of the whole thing. I think it's a very... Well, charming is probably a good word to use for it, this whole film. Um, some of it is totally unbelievable you know the way the kids do react to certain things but you overlook that I mean there's a marvellous scene I've got to mention it It was it's quite a brief the, the, the German jam
0: yeah
1: I love that yeah. you know it, it was just a, a matter of that sort of five minute sequence not even that where there's this rusty old tin and it's yeah. like don't even open it it might be a bomb it's German you never know what they've yeah. done to it
0: yeah but jam is jam jam is jam <laughs> <laughs> yeah. and then the then the the canadian uh, you know the canadian um, soldier yeah. who's dating the the sister, the sister yeah. um you know him managing to make a, a a joke about it to actually you know which i think gives that scene a a, a purpose
1: yeah and even um, and even when they are actually all sitting down and eating it, eventually the young kid goes well, it's not as good as English jam. <laughs> but yeah, it's okay. But it's a massive great tin. They probably haven't seen jam for the last year anyway because of the rationing yeah. unless they've made their own. With regard to direction and cinematography, looks beautiful, looks wonderful. The whole site scenes are wonderfully sort of laid out. And there's one particular scene that I sort of had to rewind and look back at. They're talking in the street. I think as a, a plane goes over or something like that and as, as they're finishing one part of the conversation the camera goes up and a spitfire goes over down, yeah. down the street and they're all waving and cheering obviously not CGI so the timing that the direction must have had to have stuck to to make that scene work is impeccable.
0: Yeah, it's almost as if it's been done by an experienced, talented director. Oh, no wonder! Um, yeah, because <laughs> um, you know he's he's done a ver- John Bowman has done a variety of films as we discussed when we did Excalibur. Yeah. Um and he he's not a man without talent. Um, you know, we have to point that out. And absolutely, the the finesse with, and pinpoint accuracy that that needed, just from a technical point of view without the artisticness um of the of the shots, um was is just astounding when you actually get into the nitty gritty of it and think that that timing had to be done in such a way to make it all fit together um, yeah. perfectly. Um so yeah and, you know he knows his absolute stuff. kudos. Yeah, yeah absolutely <laughs> kudos. And and you know there were, I think there was there was a lot that was that was done with the The way it was shot, and again, I think it was shot in a helpful way that did have a a mind towards showing the child's point of view. Um, And I'm not saying that there was a this was a a, a film where it was all the camera was down at a lower level looking up at at the adults all the time and all that kind of stuff because that would be, you know, um, ridiculous. But it was done in a way that was actually focusing. On the things that the the child would want to focus on, and not and, and not paying attention to the um, to the other bits that were seemingly less important to to him at the time. It's like when they're on the train carriage, and it's this, there's this reveal about the unrequited yeah. relationship with the mother and the the, fav, the the father's best friend, and it keeps cutting away because the the young lad is distracted by the fact that there's this up look! Falling asleep on his shoulder <laughs> on the train. Well, that's what you to pay attention. And that's, my, to pay no, attention. that's what is more important for his attention. Yeah. Um, and and it's these things that are, um that give it the poignancy and the heart and make it about people in a situation rather than about the situation.
1: Yeah. It's it's unfortunate now that we're now at the age where our parents and our grandparents that were young adults and children at this time are no longer around. Uh, you know, there's, there, we're not going to have these stories firsthand anymore. Yeah. And it's thankful that we've got... This is John Borman's war. This is John Borman's child, childhood during the war years. And it's great to see because we've, we've said we, we haven't really seen this in a war movie. It's always about war. It's about the fighting. It's, and even if it was on you know, a, a film about what was going on on the home front, it would probably still be more to do with the military side of things, not what was going on every day to everyday people and families that had to be there day in, day out, and put up with all this
0: shit that was going on. Yeah, it makes me want to... It's, it's, it's captured that viewpoint... And it's done it from somebody who is a master at the craft. Yeah. So they've been able to actually capture it in such a, a an outstanding way that's, you know, um really is perfect for the, the the view of a child going through it, like you say. And it makes me want to makes me want to have um, a version in front of me of, of a similar ilk of what it was like to be in occupied France as a, as a child yeah. of that age and in in the German you Know in Germany at the time, I mean, what was it like to be going through particularly the latter stages of the war? I suppose if there was if you could show the transition from when they were winning to when they were losing and what it was like. I mean, there is a a film I've seen which is in it does focus on the um, German kids who end up you know doing the defense of Berlin and the latter stages, and um, but absolutely there's there's not there's not this out there anywhere else as far as the British home front really and that's it's been done by somebody who has the experiences themselves to portray it as they experienced it yeah and it's a a capture of that time which is now lost really because there's hardly anybody left who did um I mean my father was born in uh 43 yeah so he wouldn't have experienced the war in any memory of his. It was after um, you know, after the war had finished by the time he started having memories of life because, you know, first few years you don't have anything wise. Yeah. And, I mean, he's gone now. Yeah. And, um, you know, other people that are of his age, there's very few around um, now that can relate how it was.
1: Exactly. You um, said that my dad was born in 31. So he's probably just about the same age, probably a little bit younger, um, mm. and he's long gone. But thank God for for movies like this that we can actually look back and say, "Well, that's what you know people we know may have actually gone through, experiences of this nature.
0: And then thinking about what you would have been like if you know if there'd been war on it, you know if you'd have been in that situation. And oh, um, compared to what you were doing at that age. Yeah. Um, we'd have been on the so bomb sites. We'd, we'd have been doing exactly yeah. what he was doing. We'd have been picking George, up the shrapnel. Yeah. We'd have been <laughs> looking
1: down the girls' knickers, you know, like they were. That was another great yeah, yeah, scene, as well. Yeah. It? yeah.
0: <laughs> Pauline. Yeah. That's um, another great the,
1: the bit where Pauline's mother dies in the bombing. And the kids are. Yeah. Like, have you heard Pauline's
0: mother's dead? Pauline's mother's dead. No, she's not. And no. they're talking about her as if yeah. she's not there, yeah, and then and you realise that she stood in the background and they turn around and say, your mum's dead, isn't she, Pauline? Yeah, she's, and she's, go and yeah. ask
1: her if she and wants to play.
0: And she's only, she's <laughs> like two meters away from where they're having this argument about whether it's true that she's dead yeah, or not. Yeah, she's and, dead. And yeah. And, 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 you know, and their answer is,
1: the, go and ask her if she wants to play. You know. <laughs>
0: yeah. And <laughs> make things better. And, yeah, and these, you know, these are the 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 things where it's, it's the childlike attitude towards it, and. Mm. Uh, catching a, a couple at it in the ruins and throwing rocks at them to stop them. And then, and then go, isn't that your sister? <laughs> and no, <laughs> uh, you know, and Christ. it's, um, it, it's, it, these, these moments that are, are thrown in there and it's just allows you to see the breadth of the experience from, from the, the viewpoint of this, this child. Um, and, that thankfully, as we've said, thankfully it's not being lost because it's been captured. Um, that you know, it can be seen in future that what it was like, rather than just seeing what was happening to the service people during the war. It's um, we've got the the view of a child in war, which I think is is always something worth recognising from a serious point of view. That you know, it can be horrific, but also it can actually create kind of a life experience yeah it's still um, your childhood at the end of the day is not It to be dark yeah. all the time i mean it or is dark and it was you know but maybe the attitude towards death from it from childhood like that if you used to pick the risk of dying at any moment and the fact that your neighbors died mm. um may have, give you a bit more of a um easier attitude towards death in, in later life, or maybe you'll feel that life is more precious. And these are the things that, you know, could po- possibly have been studied in later films. But um, in this film, it just shows that, it, it you know, psychologically, it could have been a, a, a major, dour, awful thing, but it was just shown as being um, a boyish experience, Yeah. Did, really. Did, did you know there was a sequel to this? um i i, I now you mentioned it yes you did because i didn't
1: know until this morning yes um, i'm trying
0: to remember what it was called Ah, oh, i found it earlier
1: but it it takes the story of the young lads grown up and it's his military experience obviously national service or something like that i'm assuming let's find it
0: i know it wasn't the same lad because he only did like that was his only film this was his only movie yeah he went into directing though so did he I think he did. I think he did. Did direct some films. Um, Queen and Country is the sequel. Ah, uh, yeah, which makes sense with the titles. <laughs> yeah, um,
1: made not too long ago, I believe, um, three four years ago, I think. First movie that John Borman had made in about ten years might be worth taking a look at that at a future date sir
0: yeah why not it's um it's within our wheelhouse isn't it to to watch you know like you've said before we've um watching stardust um as a follow-up to having watched um that'll be the day and such like so um yeah i think it's it's something to pencil in for a future episode absolutely to see what whether it's handled as well yeah um and wonder if it's a reflection of,
1: obviously, John Borman's National Service days. You know, obviously, would it be semi-autobiographical as well? I'm hoping it is. If it's oh, anything, so, because if it's, I think yeah, that's worked. Yeah, if it's anything it's like perfect, this, yeah. it'll be great. Yeah. First time watch for me, Um, immediately it's a four-star movie for me out of five. Um, it will probably go up the more I watch it. I think I'm going to look back on this with quite you know a degree of fondness and... I can't see it being one of those movies that the more you watch it, it gets worse. It's going to be one that's like, oh, this is great, I remember this bit, this bit you know, made me laugh, this bit brought a tear to my eye. A very great film from a very great filmmaker. Superb performances from the kids and the adults alike. Didn't win much in the way of awards. It was nominated for five Oscars. I think he won a Golden Globe, I believe, for the screenplay, possibly. Deserves a lot more recognition, then it actually got, I think it's another one of those forgotten movies that seem to have passed people by. Again, it's one that I thought I'd seen and actually hadn't, so I'd encourage anybody to go and watch it because it's just a charming film with a lot of scenes that will cover every single emotion. Yourself?
0: Um, yeah, I mean, it's it's been probably several years since I've watched it. Mm. I've seen it a number of times, but it's uh, several years since I've watched it. Um, I think it's a film that is easily overlooked, unfortunately, Mm. because it doesn't have any major plot to it to actually hook people in that sense. So just describing it to somebody uh, is more difficult because it is just a collection of experiences. But those experiences are, are... are valuable to actually be seen portrayed portrayed and as we've said particularly with the loss of people who can relate it firsthand and for people from from children upwards, this is a film that can be watched by them and enjoyed as well as them actually getting something as far as a, a historical perspective from it so absolutely I'd recommend people uh, make a point of watching it. Um, no matter who they are or, or where they are, yeah.
1: There's 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 a couple of couple of swear words in it, but I would say it's still a family movie.
0: It's one you can watch with the kids. It's yeah. Uh, I think you get some mild rating for everything, violence, you know, sex, and um, such like. I think it's 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 everything's got a, a reasonably mild um, rating on it. So it's something yeah. that yeah, I think, and I think the children will. Because of the, this, the one or two bits of swearing that are in it, I think that is the fact that it will emphasise rather than shock. Yes. yes. So, yeah. it's, um, for the children, absolutely. Charming, so,
1: bittersweet movie that covers every single aspect of
0: life on the home front during the war years or the early part of the war years absolutely yeah and i'm glad it's something that um you know that you hadn't seen mm. that you thought you had and that you've you've enjoyed because if you you know that's the that's the main point of it that it's a film that you feel is is worthwhile um in one way or another having watched so i'm glad that you feel that's the case yeah so, we'll um, be recommending it to others
1: of course i will yeah good okay let's take a short break and we'll be back with what we're watching next time time, Stephen. It's down to me. Ever since this podcast began two years ago, I've wanted us to examine the British kitchen sink dramas of Mm. the late 50s through to the 60s. And there's a sort of a definition of what a kitchen sink movie is. There's a sort of definitive list if you look on Wikipedia of what's considered the ones we have to watch and in what order which I'm going to stick to. Now, it generally sort of starts round about, look back in anger, 57, I think it is. Yeah, yeah. But doing a bit of research into this, a lot of critics, a lot of film historians sort of lay the roots back a little bit before it, about 10 years before, in 1947. And though not necessarily a kitchen sink drama, the elements of kitchen sink is there, And all those guys at Woodfall Productions and the directors that we would associate with the classic era of the kitchen sink drama were probably influenced by this movie. I don't know if you've heard of it. I've seen it before. I love it. Um, And it's just slightly post-war. It's 1947. It stars Googie Withers, who was famous, famous British actress throughout the 40s and the 50s. Even right through to the 1970s, she was in prison drama called Within These Walls on ITV on a Friday night. The film is called It Always Rains on Sunday.
0: Right.
1: Okay. I've I've heard of it, but... It's an Ealing film, not an Ealing comedy. Mm. It's an Ealing film. The plot. Working-class neighbourhood in London. A housewife named Rose, played Goofy Withers, finds herself in a serious bind when her old lover, Tommy Swan, escapes from prison, winds up in her backyard. Rose wants to escape the drudgery of her daily life. Remembers the charming man Swan was before prison, but when he suspects that Rose is about to turn him in, he snaps and threatens to destroy not only her fantasies about him but her family's security as well. Bit of a drama, um, crime drama, I'd say it was. I think we need to visit it before we go into the kitchen sink stuff.
0: I think that makes perfect sense. Um, you want to look at the the forerunners of mm. um that. Genre for it's one an important genre, yeah. isn't it? And, that's the thing. I'd um, like to cover it I mean, properly. Yeah, so I think it's 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 uh, an incredible choice for us to actually um, go to
1: in order yeah. to start
0: that run. Might really. be a little bit. Might be a little bit heavy,
1: but that, that's what kitchen sink drama's about, isn't it? Yeah, you know, it's not light hearted. You know, we
0: we <laughs> chop around with, with tone. Um, you know, we the, we have a few films that are a bit lighter in in tone and I mean the Although it was a war f- war based film, the Hope and Glory wasn't wasn't heavy. No. So it's it's fine to have that um balance yeah. with this, which was you know more, you know, set just just uh, actually made just a few years after that was set. So I think it's a, a good choice for us to get started on that and to actually set the the scene, as it were, for yeah. the later films that were within that ilk. Yeah, so a good choice. Reappearance from in that, mm. um, just looking
1: very quickly just to see if there will be anybody going into the Hall of Fame. I can't see anything immediate that's standing out, but I bet we find somebody. I bet we find somebody. Alfie Bass is in it as well, which would be yeah, interesting. Jimmy Han- Jimmy Hanley
0: as well was in the Blue Lamp. Um, Nigel Stock. Well, he's already in anywhere. He um, is. There you go. There you go. So uh, yeah, I haven't seen it. OK, um, I can get a copy sir. over to you if you haven't got oh. it. I've
1: got it on Blu-ray myself. Right, uh, that's cool then. Great
0: film. So, yeah. um, And that'll um, that'll say that's something I'll be very interested in in seeing. Fantastic.
1: Stephen, sir, been a pleasure. This bank holiday morning, as always.
0: Yep, my pleasure too. Speak. Thank you for having me on. Welcome, sir.
1: Speak to you very soon, my friend. Will do. Cheers, bye-bye. Take care. Absolute
0: A positive shire. From well, boyhouse. Well, Goodbye. Good luck. Thank you.
1: hand up, sir.